everyone. Welcome to our next exciting episode of Calvary Connection. So uh, true. It's always true, right? Good to be with you now as we gather around in this conversation again about the Universal Christ, a book written by Richard Rohr that we're reading for our Lenten discipline as a congregation. Uh, today we're going to be jumping into some conversation about chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, before we do that, though, just a thank you to everyone who's yes. been participating with us in this. It's been so much fun. It's oh, been great. It really has. Uh, both in the conversation, well, just between the two of us, but also on Wednesday nights when we have conversations with folks on, on Zoom, when people are sending in their emails, or when we're just encountering people at random places, you know, right. and, and just... They, yeah, and they say, you know, I've been reading that book along with you, and here's what I think, and what do you think about this? This is what we're going for, yeah. right? We really are hoping that that this, again, not something we say, we're saying, listen to Roar, agree with Roar, but where does this lead us in conversation? We want to be able to develop that ability to just right. talk with each other about stuff, right. and so I'm just so grateful for that. I agree, and to all of those who feel like we're reading too quickly or the, the pace is too fast, um, I hear you. Uh, so we just want to encourage you to, to log on, uh, continue to be a part of the conversation, even if it's just a listening ear. I think that's how the spirit works sometimes. Yeah. It's just uh, just being a part of the fellowship. So don't feel like if you're still on chapter one or chapter two that you can't participate. This is a fast paced. We probably um, took on a little bit more than we could <laughs> in this quick season of Lent. But um, again, it was worth exploring. And I think we hit on something that is it definitely stretching and challenging us and, and, yeah. and others as we've been hearing through uh, the Facebook posts and the questions and, yeah, just the conversations on the street when we run into people. And it really is more about the conversation, yeah. right? The, right. The, the, the content is more of a means to an end. And yes. so please join us in and have, have a good time with those conversations Wednesday nights uh, or wherever. Yeah. So, well, let's dive into this a little bit, shall we? All right, we? Okay. here we go. So chapters. Chapters 5, 6, six and 7. And seven. Any initial impressions? Man. General stuff that stood out to you that you kind of came away with a, a general feeling about on this one? You know, I think most of it is continuing what I experienced. Yeah. Some of it is just really like I got to highlight that, read it, put it on a note card, remind myself. And some of it I'm just like, I can't comprehend it. I, I'm just not sure what to do with that. Or I'm, I, I'm not sure if disagreement, that's probably pretty strong, but... Um, I had some disagreement. Okay, good. That's, okay. that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, just, I think my brain just can't wrap around all of it. Sure. Um, so I'm trying to take what I can and leave the rest. But man, has it? These chapters were really good. I think there's a lot here. There what about is. you? What your What's your impression? Again, kind of similar. Yeah. Uh, I I continuing in that same vein that I had in the beginning, which is. In the same page, even, I'll find things that I'm like, yes, Richard Rohr, I agree 1,000%. And others, it's like, man, you are completely misunderstanding this or misquoting this or whatever, and I disagree vehemently. And so, like you said, a challenging thing, yeah. but but great for really getting me to, to elucidate my own thoughts, right. right? Putting my own thoughts on these topics into words, both for myself and for the conversation. So that's, that's, been, that's been a really, <clears throat> I think, a great piece for me. So let's dive into this a The bit. love chapter. The love chapter. Chapter, chapter five. five. Yeah. Uh, so we had a number of different topics that we were going to focus on uh, yeah. in this chapter. The first one has to do with the relationship between divine love, God's love, right. and human love. Right. So right. Rohr talks a little bit about this idea that um, God can use the, the arena of human love kind of as a training for us right. to kind of develop a bit in our ability to love as God loves. And, and uh, Jim Moldy wrote in about that and said, this, the striving for divine love using human love as training is a great thought. 
that it works from us outward, from internal to external, is great stuff. So definitely he, he appreciated what Roar has to say about that. I was struck by Roar saying, love and water, <clears throat> seek not yeah. the higher place, but always the lower place. In some ways, I just think, you know, the, the gift of that, reaching down to where I am. And it, when that's in the low spot, how much love really matters. Yeah. Um, I was struck by that image of just God reaching to me wherever I am. But I know that love feels the best when I'm low, yeah. when I'm down, when I'm feeling miserable, whatever. Um, and I think that was another just helpful image. So how am I also training myself to love others when they're feeling low? Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I'm going I'm to plug for our, our Calvary Theological Book Study here, to our book club as well. We're reading N.T. Wright's book about Paul right yes, now. Yes, yes. Uh, and the chapter we just discussed last night has to do with Paul coming to a greater understanding of God's love for us through those deep dark times that he experienced and how his ministry at the beginning ends up different from his ministry at the end because of those experiences of, of, of deep darkness that he has and of how suffering and Christ right. suffering impact his own. So it's interesting how these two authors are kind of dovetailing in some ways. So yeah. I'm enjoying that aspect. Good. I think love is a paradox and you're right. I mean, we don't really know what it really means to love mm. unless we've kind of been hurt by love. And that is kind of a weird thing yeah. um, just to think about. Um, getting our hearts broken. What does that mean? And does right. God intend for that in order for us to learn? I'm not sure about that, but I do think that some of that paradox that you're even talking about, um, knowing how to receive love when we're low is, mm. is a choice too. Um, so I, I think there's a lot here when lot it comes to, yeah, to God's love, divine love. Uh, but I think it's God's gift to us. Uh, I always talk about God filling my love tank. Mm -hmm. And that's what worship does for me so that I can... You know, toot around and scoot around <laughs> and share God's love with others, but I don't create it. I right. tap into the love of God um, and then share that with my neighbors. Yeah, well, and that, I mean, that, that's biblical, right? Tying into the idea that we love because God first loved us. Right. First John, is that First John 4 yes. as well? Is that, I'm going to reference First John 4 that? a few times in the post of this <laughs> podcast. So we'll, we'll, we'll say it is because it fits in with everything else. All right, so our next uh, our next heading here has to do with, with Roar's idea about... Um, this, this dichotomy of cleaning up versus waking up. Yes, that right? was powerful. Yeah, a really interesting image about how he, he conflates obedience yeah. and, and strict adherence to things as the idea of cleaning up our behaviors, of focusing on the nuts and bolts of, of our morality. Right. Uh, and and as, as opposed to what love does, which is awaken our spirits, right? It, it's a different way of approaching relationships. It's a different way of approaching the world. Um, and I, I think that, that was uh, a really interesting take yes. on that. To me, it really speaks to the difference between the, um, the the letter of the law sure. and the spirit of the law. This right. is something that Jesus gets into with the Pharisees an awful lot and the other religious leaders during his ministry, right? right? right. The idea of rigorous adherence to specifics of what the law says versus why the law is given in the first place. And that it's entirely possible to follow all those specifics of cleaning up the behavior without it actually awakening anything in you that shows why we're meant to do that. Right. Gives us our purpose again. Gives yeah. us our foundation again. Yeah, and I think that this is where uh, Lutheran preachers mm. like you and me sometimes get like, why don't you preach Bible? Why don't you get there? And, and I would say what we would call a teaching sermon, sure. like we're going to jump into First John and unpack it. Uh, a lot of churches do that, and it's great. 
But the Lutherans, what we're taught in seminary, is the law and gospel effect of every scripture. It's not laws, Old Testament, and gospel is New Testament. In in every scripture text, both and there's both and, and some of it is that obedience. What are we supposed to clean up here? What are we supposed to see in ourselves in that mirror to say, I, you know, I don't want to be that way anymore. I truly want to change. Yeah. Not like, oops. I'm sorry, I did it again. Yeah. Not that, but more like a, I don't want to be that way anymore change. Right. That's law, yeah. obedience, cleaning up. And and yet, in every text is also the gospel. It frees us, that love tank being filled up. And that is how we're coached to preach in the Lutheran church, law and gospel preaching. Um, and I think that's different than a biblical uh, storytelling unpacking, which I think is fun to preach teach too but that is not the it's not the purpose yeah in just in the lutheran denominations i'm not saying it's good or bad or different i just think that's what we do that's just a little bit of a distinction about uh, how we're trained as lutheran public servants yeah absolutely and that's something that i think that will will flow into a couple of the other topics that we have going forward yes this idea of why do we do what we do why do we love? You know, what, right. why do we carry out the trappings of what love is? Is it is it because we feel we're supposed to, or is it because our intention? We see one another as people worthy of love, and so it just flows naturally. From right, us. right. <clears throat> and if it brings us back to Christ, then that is of God. Yeah, yeah, for Good. sure. So there was this quote that I want to maybe have you touch on a little bit, Pastor Janelle. Sure. Uh, on page seventy-seven, there, we had a couple questions that came in wanting us to unpack this a little bit. Uh, and, the, and you can follow along on page 77 if you like. Uh, but the quote is this. Grace is just the natural loving flow of things when we allow it instead of resisting it. Sin is any cutting or limiting of that circuit. And we all sin now and then. But an occasional power outage can help you appreciate how much you need unearned love and deeply rely upon it. Failure is part of the deal. Wow. Yeah lot in there. Yeah. You know, I think immediately what comes to mind is the Good Samaritan story. And um, I preached on it not too long ago. You can look at my hand. It was a good one. Um, but talking about, I'm not comfortable being so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable being the person who is robbed and beaten by the side of the road. But this Lent, I pushed myself to stay there. And I think in some ways that's when the circuit is broken. Right? right. Yeah. And again, the Good Samaritan story isn't a moral judgment. It's not like I made a major mistake. We don't know. I think Jesus doesn't take takes that out of the equation. Just tries to imagine us vulnerable yeah. at the side of the road with no resources. That sounds like a, a circuit breaker right. for me. So when we're vulnerable, bare, beaten, bruised, scared, man, we are open to help. Yeah in a way that we're usually not when we have power and resources. Um, But I do think us practicing, even when we have power and resources, that God is the one picking us up. It's not us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. Right, absolutely. It's not us finding a will. It is to say, God, come, and I'm going to allow you to pick me up. Puts us in a vulnerable stage, in a vulnerable place. But we learn something from that. And I think when we then... We like to help. We don't like to be helped. Oh, that's so true. And and yeah, I think God says, no, I'm the helper. I'm the savior. Right. You're not the results department, right. Jeremiah. Yes. The Holy Spirit is, as Ron Blayton would say. Yeah, we'll call it to you, Ron. <laughs> um, and I think that that's a humbling piece of understanding purpose and, not again, not trying to be Jesus. We're trying to follow. Yeah. And I think, you know, that really, to me, 
uh, can be filed as well under one of the benefits of confession. Uh, and I'll certainly talk about this more yes. going forward. Uh, there are a couple points where... Huge part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but I think that, that that acknowledgement of our own brokenness, and like Roar says, that, that leads to that, that recognition that we do need that grace, that we do need that Savior. And, and it's hard to be able, it's impossible to be able to accept that without that recognition first. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, then we've got in Chapter 5 uh, one last title here, which is kind of that, that divine two-step. As Rourke yes, puts it, right. That, that dance, that yeah. idea of both the dance as the relationship that exists within the Trinity, right. the dance as relationship that exists in life and love, but then also this idea of dance as the relationship between us and God, close versus pulling back. Interesting thoughts there. And uh, Jim Moldy yeah. again writes in, kind of asks a question about this. He says, Rohr states that the pullback in chapter five feels like suffering. He also states that God creates that pullback sometimes. Does God pull back from us to create suffering, to draw us in closer? This seems inconsistent with the concept of an all-loving God. Yeah. Um, I'm not a great dancer myself. <laughs> and when I think back to middle school and my, um, you know, like uh, confirmation mentors, when there was a school dancing, always leave room for Jesus. You might have said <laughs> that to your kids too. Um, uh, these are some of the images that come. But I think that this divine dance really is effective for me in the sense of this. Because I don't dance well, in some ways God would be like, geez, i got to find a better partner. You're not worthy. You keep stepping on my toes. But even if it's a bad dance, it still shows partnership. It's still a dance. And I think it still takes two. Mm -hmm. uh, in this two-step dance, now we can dance ourselves but God's talking here about partnership yeah and I think even though uh, we sometimes have good days and we some have bad days in our partnership it's still a partnership mm -hmm. and again I can see God being like you know you're done you cannot learn this dance but he does it right God continues to say come Janelle yeah I'm not gonna give up on you stepping back to allow you to step forward yes and uh, invite me into that relationship, into that partnership. And that's where I would say the pulling back is allowing me some room to learn, to grow, to develop, and to say I'm still in it. Yeah. To, for me, too, I think this will tie in with some of the stuff we're going to talk about a little bit later about uh, some of the obstacles we encounter being learning opportunities for us. That until we, we find ourselves in difficult positions, we never develop or change. That's kind of the 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 core of existence, really, of right. human existence, that right. it takes those challenges for us to be able to move forward and develop into who we are meant to become. And we'll talk about this, but you've got to burn your hand on the stove mm. to know that that's hot. Yeah. I don't want my kids to do that, but man, is that a powerful it's lesson. It's an important lesson to learn. And I think in some ways, again, as parents, we've learned some of these things. And if God is in the same way, God doesn't want me to burn my hand on the stove. That's not how he created me or intended me to. But man, is that a powerful lesson. Yeah. There hurts. is value to be learned right. in those moments right. of where it feels like we're, we're walking alone. And we are never walking alone. It's important right. to recognize that. But there are certainly those moments that it feels like it. And there are, right. there are lessons that we can take from that that we could not gain any other way. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to parenting. I mm. could not safe proof my house enough to not have my kids oh, be geez. beaten, bruised, burned. I can't tell you how many times I've told Bjorn not to stand on chairs, but until he falls off, he's never really going to get that. So you're not setting him up to fail. Right. God's not setting us up to fail, but God is giving us an experience to learn in the ways we need to. Yeah. 
So we'll talk about that more too. Sure. Probably. If we run out of time. Well, let's dive in okay. right into chapter, chapter six. six. We're okay. covering three chapters today. We've got to jump ahead. Okay. So chapter six. <laughs> okay. A couple heading to look at here. Uh, first one has to do, it's, it's a pretty big topic as well, the idea of our view of God or the um, the, the template. What, what does Rory use? I'm trying to remember the, 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 the word that he uses. But how we understand God. Uh, and there's a quote on page 84 where he says, any view of God as tyrannical or punitive tragically keeps us from admitting the seeming contradictions, uh, the seeming contradictions of forgiveness taking good that exists from bad and that kind of thing. And, and, and Jim writes in to say, the punitive God versus the forgiving God image explains so much of the fear-based religion that is prevalent in some denominations, that when we see God as this angry, uh, like, punitive and tyrannical judge, that very much influences our ability to love and the worldview that we have. Yep. And I, I think the fear-based piece has us watching our <coughs> depths instead of asking the questions or exploring. Yeah, right. And I think the first John text for mm -hmm. there yep. is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Yeah. I mean, there it is in Scripture right there. Yeah. And, and my take on that is that first John has it completely right. I mean, when the basis of any relationship, be it between two people or between God and a person, if that if the basis of that is fear, well then that's always going to be part of the relationship. Uh, it can't grow into the kind of love that God is about, this self-giving love. It's why, in my opinion, fire and brimstone preaching is so counterproductive. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the short term it might produce that, right. that, that clean-up effect yes. that we're always talking about, where we might get some morality changes because people are afraid of what's going to happen to them if they're not. Yeah. But it's not, in the long term, going to produce the kind of outgrowth of love that we're really called into. It's, it's the difference between the, the religion of the Pharisees and the religion of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And again, if it's not producing the fruit of the Spirit, yes. then it might be empty. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so kind of tying into one of the topics we had in chapter 5, uh, there's page 83. Where God's, or God, don't read too much into this, where Richard Rohr says, <laughs> who is not God, and yeah. he would say so too, uh, he says, God set, seems to send us on the path to our own wholeness, not by eliminating the obstacles, but by making use of them. And that kind of ties into what, you're, what we're talking about, about the, the burning the hand on the stove. Right, things, right. right. All the parenting examples yeah. that you and I have kind of lived through, and I think, too, one of the things that came to mind, just in my own application of this, is I often say at funerals, when we love deeply, we lose deeply, and yet we'd never stop loving. Right. And I think in some way here, too, the obstacle is we could be fearful of loving because you're going to die on me someday. That there's going to be pain involved. Right. If I'm going to suffer at all, why would I even remotely want to go there? And yet, as Roar talks about, we, we yearn to give ourselves away. Yeah. We yearn to be in a relationship and um, and to have purpose in that. And I think, again, it's amazing that people have a spouse die and they remarry. Are you kidding me? You just went through the terrible pain. But it shows how we're created. We're wired just to love, to be, to be loved, and to yeah. offer something. And so I think that that's just another piece that struck me that really came true with what we were saying. Yeah. I think, too, this applies to how we, we teach, even in, in like schools or anything else, that we don't pull away obstacles. We put even artificial obstacles in place. Right? What is a pop quiz right. but an obstacle that's placed in, in front of someone that they need to be able to 
you know, mount and get over, and right? Think, and, and, and think apply through. And yeah. experience. It's how we develop as as yeah. as cognizant beings. Right. Uh, we need these challenges in order to, to push us in that regard. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, then we had this topic about the voice within us, about how to determine uh, if if something is of God. You know, and this is this has been a theological question ever since the beginning of of, right. of, of God's relationship to people. Right? right? How do we determine whether or not a voice is uh, authentically of God versus not? Uh, and and Rohr talks about this a bunch in this chapter on page eighty-eight. He says, uh, if something comes toward you with grace and can pass through you towards others with grace, you can trust it. As the voice of God, I think this this really falls into the whole fruits of the spirit thing. Yeah, talking about, right? I agree. Yeah. So when I was in spiritual direction, my spiritual director would always I would say, I'm not sure if this is my will, my way. Um, you know, I've got this program at church. Is am, is that me? Am am I am I the leading that, or is that a God thing? And she would always say, check with the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. If the fruit of the spirit, gentleness, kindness, peace, self control, if that's the fruit of this program. Janelle, then you're a conduit for this. If it's putting Janelle on a pedestal, giving Janelle's needs, being satisfied, then that's not the fruit of the Spirit. And I think that was a really helpful discernment tool yeah. throughout because I do have human needs. I do have human wants. Of course. Uh, but where does that lie in my Christian public service? Yeah. I think Rohr gets into that too, with that whole idea of self-aggrandizement. If anything yes. is pushing yourself forward, that's a pretty good indication mm -hmm. that maybe that's yeah. not what, what we're looking for here. Uh, and, and then I, my thoughts, I connected that again with First John 4. It's a good chapter. Uh, <laughs> we verses, know it is now. Yeah. First John 4. <laughs> uh, verses 7 and 8, which are, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves, whoever loves, has been born of God and knows, knows God. God. And the inverse, in verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. That is a universal message, it seems to me. That John uh, is not, the author for John, is not differentiating between people who are technically part of a Christian community or not. He's saying the real definition here that we're looking at is love. You know, which I think Roar kind of goes and runs with. Amen. 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 Yeah. Good. Okay. Chapter 7? Yes. Well, no, one more thing. What? One more thing in chapter 6. This is the big one. This is my my moment where I where I had to just put down the I was book just and queuing them up. oh my gosh. Okay, so as I've said, there are moments where I love Richard Rohr and others where I vehemently still love Richard Rohr, but still vehemently disagree with what he has to say. Right. So this was one of those points uh, for me uh, where he where he talks about confession of sin yes. as being self hatred. Yes. Uh, and, and Teresa writes in about this as well. She says he has an interesting take on sin. Is sin who we are? So if we hate it, we hate ourselves. But should we like our sin? I'm not sure what he's saying. Take it away, okay. Brother yeah, Jeremiah. Okay. So this is a point where and I told Pastor Janelle this. When I was reading this book, I, when I got to this point, I had to put it down and just start typing up my thoughts because they were just coming fast and furious here. I said, confessing sin is not hating yourself. It's being honest and humble with yourself. Yes, yes some people misuse the concept of sin in this way. The church has misused the concept of sin in this way. But confessing sin, when done as intended, leads to more unity with one another, not less. It's when we fail to acknowledge and recognize our own failings that it becomes so much easier to point at the failings of others. Yes. I see acknowledgement of sin not as a drive towards shame, but as a drive toward humility, yes. which is something that Rohr talks about as being right. a positive thing. A recognition that we are all in need of grace. A recognition of our oneness, our unity, 
in that need for forgiveness. That, to me, isn't shameful. It's humbling and unifying. I see those as different. Yeah. So I, 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 I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding what we're saying here, but I, at least at my face value thing there, I just had a disagreement with him. Yeah. I mean, I think what I read into that is his understanding of shaming, blaming, accusations is not God talk. Right. I would absolutely agree with it's that. It's not one. modeled for us. The red letter Bible doesn't have Jesus being like, you you're terrible. He's like, you know, instead he's teaching us and, and leading us. And so I think in some ways that that is the piece that I tried to take away from it, that mm-hmm. we talk that way, kind of like we talked about last time in the Zoom call, we are drawn to the negative and we like to stay there. We dwell there and we like to see it in other people because it makes us feel better. I think that that is true. Check out my sermon this Sunday about that. You're welcome. Uh, so I think there is a lot there, but I agree with you. It's not it's not intended to make us feel like we're so useless and right. that we should just hate ourselves. Um, it is really to turn us. Repentance is turning us to see the goodness in us again so that we can be doing good in our own lives. Yes, amen, amen. All right, now, okay. chapter seven. We can go on to the vital chapter we've got today. Thanks for sticking with us through all these great conversations. Uh, all right, so a couple points we wanted to touch on here. Uh, the idea of the inner process of change yeah. that Laura talks about, right? Yeah. Uh, Mary Allen writes about this. Christ's love for us should be our motivation to love one another. That that had to be what God wants us to do in the final tally of things. We need to show our love for him by showing our love to others. Not that it's a... Um, it, it, and this really ties back to that idea of, of cleaning up Yes. Versus waking up. Yes. Right? Is it a, uh, something that we are trying to conform ourselves to externally by our behaviors or internally by how we see one another in the world? Yeah. I think Bob said this in our Zoom call. Mm. Uh, when he grew up Catholic, he used to not be able to eat meat every Friday. That's, That's what he said, said, yeah. And then at some point, the rules changed to just not eat meat on Friday during Lent. And then there was this discussion on, like, well, did you sin before? Was that sinful before? How would the rules change? And again, like, what's the point of not eating meat on Friday? It was to turn us to Christ. Yeah, what's the spirit of the law? Yes, right, exactly. And if that's not freeing us to be more Christ-like, then we're missing the point. Which is what Jesus talks about when he said, the Sabbath is created for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. Exactly, yep. Uh, And I wrote on this, too, on page uh, 93, uh, quoting Roar, Jesus emphasized inner motivation and intention. Uh, and this was another one of those moments where I just had to stop reading and write down. And except for the opposite reason. I said, yes, I agree 100%. Following a set of rules out of fear of punishment will only get us so far. When our motivation to live out the law to care for one another is not because we are afraid of what will happen if we don't, or because we feel we're supposed to do it, but rather because we intrinsically love our neighbor, we have begun to glimpse the kingdom of God. Yeah. And for me, what the ritual behind this is communion. Yeah, absolutely. So I come broken and, uh, you know, got the evil stuff stirring in me and God has found a way to get inside of me. And and that's change. Hmm. God's saying, meet me halfway here, Janelle. I want to change you from the inside out. I want that refining fire, that good fire to burn in you so that you're not limited by what you're doing or not doing well but that I can dwell in you. And that transformational nature, I think, is uh, what I taste and see at communion uh, that really helps equip me and empower me to continue in this journey. Yeah, 100%. 
Well, do we have time to jump into this last hard All right. topic? All right, let's do it. So there's a quote that we got a lot of a lot of feedback right. for, uh, questions about. It's, it's deep. It is. Here we uh, go. So the quote from Roar, there is no such thing as non-political Christianity. Woo! That's a spicy meatball. Woo! So again, Jim writes in, that's a scary statement, one that can create difficulty in families and faith communities. Uh, that, that's certainly true, right? Yep, I agree. I mean, I think I'll say one thing and then I want to yeah. have you wrap up here. Um, what kind of brought me back on all of this is when Roar talked about um, God's not in competition with anybody. Yeah. God doesn't kind of need our help. We're not here to rescue or save. We're, we're here to work with them. Um, but wants to be in cooperation with us. And I think the political nature of, of our world today is that there are people who feel like this is the way mm-hmm. we can partner with God. And they believe in it and, and they understand that this is how. It's become so central. Yes. And they're passionate about it. They're deeply passionate to the point where they see the other end wrong. Yeah. I think that's where the divide comes in. But uh, God doesn't need us. God's inviting us to partner. And again, we've had these political structures in order to help understand or view that. But it can be very divisive oh, gosh, yes. uh, in my family system, too. I think so, all of ours. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's a definitely a human experience. But yeah. it's humbling to know God is at the center of that. And God's asking us to partner. But it's how our worldview is lived out a little bit with these political structures to guide us. Yep. That makes a lot of sense to me. And what was your parting comment on that? Yeah, so I, this was another one of those moments where I just I stopped and I wrote down a couple thoughts. Uh, and my thoughts were, I'm inclined to agree with Roar here. Uh, what is politics but a set of issues that have become divisive because they have at their heart a competing set of worldviews that are important to people? Right. They're right. difficult, though. Uh, it's often hard to address without fracturing relationship between right. people. Uh, it requires hard work, practice, compassion, and listening on all sides. That needs to be done with that outpouring of love, right? Without seeing one another as the enemy. Uh, I think that's exactly, when we see one another as altogether wrong and the, the one to be defeated, then we miss the point of what Christ is all about, right? That idea of finding the, the oneness in one another. Yeah, we're gonna have different views on a lot of these really important issues, but we're still called to love each other, the end. And I think the confusing part about today is that both political parties use God mm. as their shield. As a wedge issue, too. Yeah, yeah. just kind of like, well, no, God is trying to unite us uh, to be one and to, re- to reconcile that we don't have to think everything alike. Right. It's not uniformity. Unity without yeah. uniformity, which is kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah. We should do this. This is good. I like it. Well, I think that's a good uh, a good point to kind of bring this conversation to a close for this week. This is part one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've got some more stuff. Part two starts Oof. next week with the, the comma. Oh, good times. Good times. Well, once again, thank you all for being a part of this conversation with yes. us. Uh, if you have thoughts or questions Please. that you want us to address, Email them to podcast at calvarybemidji.org. Uh, try to get them in. We usually record these on Friday. Uh, so you hear this, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday. If you can get them in by Thursday night or Friday morning, we'll be able to bring them into our conversation. Uh, and, of course, please join us on Wednesday night uh, on the Zoom call for some more conversation about these topics. Even if you haven't caught up in the reading and haven't done any of the reading, we just want to be able to see your faces and be in conversation. So love you guys so much, uh, and thanks for joining us once again. See you next time.